Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast, an extension of our adult Sunday school ministry and stories of grace. Pastor Brandon here, along with Pastor Steve. Hey there. And we are committed to utilizing this platform to continue our church's rich tradition of deep theological teaching through our adult Sunday school ministry. Though this unique season of following Jesus has not been without its share of challenges, we hope that you will tune in weekly to dive deeper into the scriptures as we hear from the vast array of teachers that we are blessed to call family here at Grace Church. Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast. This is the final chapter of this season one of the Grace Church Podcast. As we noted in the last one, maybe there will be a season two. As of right now, we have no idea. But we are just so, so thankful for those of you who have tuned in, who have taken the time to listen through, who have um, taken the time to listen to our Sunday school teachers give lessons throughout this uh, quarter throughout the season. We're just so thankful for them and their willingness to give of their time as well. It's it's not an, uh, a simple task to take a, an entire Sunday school lesson and boil it down to 15 minutes or so. And so we are very thankful for them. We're thankful for you. And we're thankful that on this final chapter, we have the one and the only Phil Gardner in the studio. And you, Phil, shared with us uh, yesterday from the book of Galatians, just giving a, a good, broad, general overview. And so that's just a, a reminder to the listeners. If you haven't heard yesterday's session where Phil spoke about the book of Galatians, you're going to want to go back and you're going to want to hear that um, because this conversation that is about to ensue will only make sense in that light. And it will bless you. And it will bless <laughs> you, which leads me to my first point is that I truthfully didn't even want to do a Q&R session. I just wanted Phil to just keep talking because it was just so fantastic. So, uh, But here we are nonetheless, where we're just going to pelt you with questions. <laughs> so thanks for being with us, Phil, and thanks for taking time. I don't mind saying I don't know to a, as an answer to a question. Yep, those are some of the most three helpful words that any Christian can learn is I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but that being the case, I did want to ask if there was anything out of this book, uh, this letter to the church at Galatia, if there was anything that you did not have a chance to get to in a 15-minute session that you would have wanted to get to, that you would have wanted to draw out if this was a longer Sunday school class. Yes, I think that there is uh, one thing at least that I would like to bring up, and that's to ask this question. Is it okay for me or to anyone else uh, who has a religious background to continue with customs or traditions that are actually not required? Now, in this letter, uh, we, we learn that the uh, Jewish Christians— the, Jew, the Jews that become Christians are no longer amenable to the old law. They don't have to do that. They don't have to go to the, the temple or the synagogue on the Sabbath to worship. They would be worshiping with Christians on Sunday. They no longer have to obey the dietary laws of the, of the Old Testament. But it's not hard for me to imagine that somebody in the first century, some Jewish person in the first century who's been keeping these laws and these traditions all their lives, that suddenly they don't have to do this. And my question is this, well, what if they wanted to continue to obey the dietary laws? That's simple enough to discuss. 
What if they wanted to continue to avoid meat that was from unclean animals? Is there anything wrong with doing that? I, w- I would think not. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a helpful question because it, it helps us kind of uh, draw out and maybe think about how scandalous this would have been for a first century Jew to hear Paul say that circumcision is no longer counts for anything, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. That would have been scandal of scandals <laughs> to hear as a first century Jew. I mean, would you put that, and this is just a question out of my own ignorance, would you put that on par with baptism, maybe? For Christians today to hear, let's say there was a new revelation of the Spirit, which we know is not coming (laughs) until Jesus returns, but for Christians today to hear, hey, baptism's no longer necessary, it counts for nothing, neither baptism nor unbaptism (laughs) counts for anything, we would be like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? That is scandalous talk. Yes. Would you put that on par with baptism, or is that too far? And that's to both of you. (laughs) I'm not sure. Uh, Obviously, this was a very big thing uh, in in the life of of a Jewish person. Mm. You know, Mm. we're asking them uh, to to give up a lot. Mm. And uh, I'm just saying that if a Jewish person said, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe I'm saved by grace, I don't have to do any of these things, but my family has been doing these for generations and centuries, and I just feel more comfortable if I continue to do some of these things, mm-hmm. not to save myself, not because I have to, but just because I feel more comfortable doing that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Y- the the text that maybe causes this question uh, to rise for you is uh, you were saying in, in between sessions here uh, from Galatians chapter five verse well it's really verses one and two both um, but but two in particular um, maybe I'll just read it here quick so verse 1, which which you did include in, in the first session, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Oh, I'm reading from the NIV. That's a little different, but it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. So he, he's, he's saying, in case, in case you missed it, <laughs> mark my words. I, Paul, tell you, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. So maybe in the Stephen paraphrased version, if you know, if, if you're gonna let yourselves be circumcised, like, I mean, you, you just can't, you just can't do that. If you're gonna claim Christ as being your savior, then then to do this work, this old covenant thing, that that's that's not allowed. Christ isn't gonna be of value to you. So that's part of the tension here, right? Is, yes. Is 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 specifically from that that verse. So oh. may, maybe like do you is that too strict of a reading of, of that text do you think that, that 
Is that making sense? Your question is making sense to me, and I'm not an authority on this, and I don't know the answer to the question. I would just uh, reiterate that, yes, I think it would be wrong if a Jewish person said, yes, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I also still believe that I have to do all of these things uh, that have been uh, specified in in the Old Testament. And I'm just saying... If it's something that he doesn't have to do, but wants to do, yeah. not as a requirement, but as a tradition, yeah. uh, is there anything wrong with that? Right. I, I wonder if verse 1 is helpful here when he says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. And so to say that it's, well, it's definitely not allowed, I don't know that he's saying it's not allowed, yeah. he's just saying it won't be of advantage to you in Christ. Um, I don't hear him say it's definitely not allowed, because that would almost sound like a new law. Yes. And he's saying, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Right. So um, I don't know if we want to go here. I can cut this out later. But but personally, I would have have something that that I tend to do. I've found great... um, I've found great freedom and great rhythm in observing the church calendar. And so I do that at home. I, I, I go through when it's a season of Lent. I go through a Lenten devotional or when it's Advent, I go through a, a devotional for Advent. And I find that that is helpful rhythm for me to reorient myself and my life around the life of Christ. And, but that's not something that we necessarily do here at Grace Church as a collective body. And so I would say that's something that I'm not looking to uh, save me. That's mm-hmm. not something mm-hmm. that I do because I think I find salvation in that, except to just say that when Paul calls us to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling, I do find those rhythms very helpful um, as as one who's just not always a... I'm not always a scheduler. I'm not the guy who's got the... you know. <laughs> so I find those, those are helpful rhythms for me to observe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if that's a helpful parallel, but there's that. Well, I think it is. But in other words, you're you're saying that's helpful to you. It might not be to someone else. You Absolutely, wouldn't, you wouldn't condemn someone else because they don't do that. Right. Absolutely. I would never tell someone else they need to observe the church calendar because then we would be making laws Absolutely. where God has not. Yes. Yep. Yep. I mean, you look at um, Romans uh, chapter fourteen and fifteen. You have some of this. Uh, kind of conversation come come up and specifically getting into the um, the food conversation mm-hmm. I believe from the mm-hmm. um, chapters fourteen and fifteen but and observing feasts or yeah, observing the yeah exactly the new moons or mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. and I mean just even within that context I don't, we're gonna focus in on Galatians here so we don't need to <laughs> dive too deep here but hey man you <laughs> brought up Romans <laughs> I know I know so a handful with Galatians yeah, right? but, <laughs> But it is, you know, it, it's it's it would seem fairly clear here that 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 this isn't saying that you're not allowed to continue practicing some of these things. It it it's it would seem to be that that to make this a part of your salvation, or for that matter, that like you're able, this is the means of grace, or this is uh, by performing this act. Then God, it's like um, uh, maybe using God as like a genie, or using this, using this system to be like a genie for spiritual growth, um, and not act, acting out of faith, but acting out of like a, a work, a ritual, uh, a ritual for. 
<laughs> a ritual can be used for for growth and and but mm-hmm. but when done in faith, not not when done as a work yeah. to um to create. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It, it, it's a very much a thrust of Galatians, though, and getting into that <laughs> Galatians three and the and the um, what I would say is if it, if it was faith that you received Christ, then faith is going to be the way you're going to continue to mm-hmm. grow in Christ, mm-hmm. and so. The conduit of God's grace comes to us by faith, not mm. by these external yes. workings yes. of the law. Yeah, and so when we do those thinking, I'm going to do this because if I do this, then I will be growing spiritually. I will be sanctified if I do this act. Well, no, it's more like if while in faith I'm I'm doing this act <laughs> as, a, as a, an expression or as an opportunity to act in faith. And so I'm just thinking of your your calendar thing. It's it's not that that observing the church calendar is going to automatically by doing that work my faith is is grown or I am sanctified as long as I do it you know as long as I check the box mm-hmm. then yeah. I'm good right. It's, like, right it's still not checking the box you know that right. that's that's not how you received faith that's mm-hmm. not how you're going to grow in faith um, so even in the midst of of doing those, yeah, we, we ought to do them in faith. Yep, yep, definitely. Yes. I'm glad we got that solved. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, re- I'll read a comment here uh, on this subject. Well, I'll read two. One of them is by uh, J.B. Lightfoot. Now, here he's referring to the Jewish person who would want to continue uh, to practice some of the uh, old laws, once again, I can, I can understand that a Jewish person might do that, not as a means of salvation, but as a means of comfort to him because mm-hmm. of his traditions. Mm-hmm. And, and he, J.B. Lightfoot here, is speaking specifically of circumcision. Circumcision is the seal of the law. He who willingly and deliberately undergoes circumcision enters upon a compact to fulfill the law. To fulfill it, therefore, he is bound and he cannot plead the grace of Christ for he has entered upon another mode of justification. Hmm. And I'm saying, is that necessarily true? I'm, I'm asking this question. Is it possible that one who believes he is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, mm-hmm. still feels better about conforming to some traditions? Hmm. I, I, can, I can imagine that that could be fine. Riken said this, there is an eternity of difference between the optional observance of such a day and making mm-hmm. it mandatory as a means of justification. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a difference there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's that's a helpful thing. I, I want to ask about uh, another. If we shift topics here, mm-hmm. um, and it's specifically in that in that Galatians six, um, the beginning of Galatians six in particular. I think it probably goes. I don't know. It depends on how you want to break it up, but um, but verse one, uh, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. There's there's a uh, a phrase that that uh, man years ago I I had written a little article on, uh, but people would say you know don't judge me. 
<laughs> and uh, or you have no right to judge me. Don't judge me, man. Don't judge me, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, within the realm of the Christian faith, uh, it, it is not ours to bring about, um, like, uh, take revenge on people. You know, uh, it's not ours to. You, you think of the Sermon on the Mount. We we had gone through the Sermon on the Mount as a church. Uh, I guess it's probably been about a year ago. Um, and you, you go if there's the uh, the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, and there's a plank in your own eye. How do we deal with a verse like Galatians six one in this context of Are we allowed to judge others, or who should we be judging? Uh, how should we be doing that judging? I don't know. There's a lot of questions that could come up, but I, I'd just be curious to hear some, some of your thoughts on this uh, this topic. All right. <clears throat> so the question here is, when a person is caught in a sin, what should be done and who should do it? Hmm. Okay. Now, uh, what should be done? What is not one of our options? What is not one of our options? He said, if a man is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, you who are led by the Spirit, restore such a one. Mm-hmm. So what's not one of our options if we obey this? Just to sit by passively? Yeah, yeah. To do nothing is not mm. one of our options. Mm. And I think oftentimes that's what I have a tendency to do. Um oh, and what does the what does Paul say the sinner needs? Restoration. 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 That's what he needs. What doesn't he need? He doesn't need condemnation. Mm. He doesn't mm. need ridicule. He doesn't need punishment. He need he needs love yeah. from brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay. Now, is this going to? Why is it that sometimes we don't do this? Well, wait a minute. Let me let me ask another question first. Who should do this? According to verse one, you who are spiritual, you who are you who are spiritual, you who are led by by the Spirit. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. now maybe I need to evaluate myself when I see a situation like this. Can can I be helpful? Can I do this in the spirit of love? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Galatians six ten says, "Fulfill the law of Christ." Well, what is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is is love. If I can't do that in the spirit of love, then okay, then maybe I need to let somebody else do this. Mm-hmm. Um. And how are we to restore the sinner? Gently. Gently. Okay. Now, Brandon, if you have a broken leg, who do you want to set it? <laughs> <laughs> well, preferably a, a doctor or a surgeon. <laughs> okay. And there are different kinds of doctors and surgeons. Mm. I, wanna, I want someone who's mm. competent and gentle. Yeah, yeah. Someone <laughs> okay. who's trained in that yeah. in that matter. Yeah, that that's right. Uh if the broken leg is not uh, set properly, what will happen? Might not heal, yeah, it might not. heal wonky. Yeah, yeah heal it, it, incorrectly. It, it, yeah. It, it will it will not heal correctly. Now, why is it that sometimes we fail to do what Galatians 6:1 has told us to do? I think there's mm-hmm. probably several reasons. I mean, pride is the first one that comes to my mind. A prideful spirit gets in the way. Yeah, I think of because I actually do just want to 
judge the other person. We may have we may have some other motivation within it. Uh, perhaps for me though, uh, the desire to fix other people. I just want to fix them. I, <laughs> I don't want any of that other stuff uh, within them. You know, I don't. I think I'm doing good, but <laughs> well, and to restore. But if I see them, you know, I just need to fix them. Yeah, and to restore somebody with a spirit of gentleness, it requires the person doing the restoring to lean on the spirit. And sometimes that's not always easy because you do want to just fix it. Like mm-hmm. you just want to mm-hmm. get in there and I'm going to fix this <laughs> instead of relying on the spirit to help restore that person. Talking about someone who is caught in a sin. Now, that could be any number of things. It could be something that's not out of the ordinary. It could be something that's very tragic, Okay. And, and therefore, it could be something that's very awkward, okay? We don't like to go to talk to people yeah. about, about things like that. I don't enjoy doing that, just like disciplining your own children, you know? You don't enjoy doing that, but it's, but it's something that, that needs to be done. Um, if I'm not the person uh, who can, can do this, in other words, I know about a situation, it's my brother in Christ is my sister in Christ. I love them. I don't want them to go down this path, mm-hmm. but I don't think that I have the ability, and it could be, to, to do anything about it. Can I just walk away? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I, don't I think so. in that case, uh, the least I can be doing is praying. Maybe that's the most mm. I could be doing, but then I think I need to tr- somehow or other try to help, get, get somebody involved. I don't mean to be gossiping or anything like that, but, but go to uh, a counselor, go to an elder, go to somebody, you know. We just, we, just can't, we just can't walk away from this. What did Nathan say to David at great risk? Hmm. David had sinned mm-hmm. grievously. Nathan is his advisor. What does he say to him? He says, you are the man. Remember the story? Mm-hmm. Now, David's a king. <laughs> David is a powerful man. Sometimes powerful people don't like bad news. Mm-hmm. And yet I think Nathan risked. Uh, he, he, he said, this is my responsibility. I love this man. He has done wrong. He's going down the right path. I've got to try to bring him back. And he said to David, you are the man. Mm-hmm. After he told him this story, you know, about the man who had the, the little ewe lamb and the, and the rich man who had flocks, stole the ewe lamb, uh, killed him. David was incensed by this. And Nathan said, you are the man. You're the one that did this. Now, what's David's reaction? He's just cut to the heart. He is. It worked. Yeah. Now, sometimes it won't work. Hmm. I, I just think, man, what a... What a God-given sheer genius to to uh, take this, what David had done, and kind of externalize it first to, to like, David, come here, look, look at this with me. This man has all these flocks of, of lambs, and then he goes and takes the one. Like, he almost invites him to just see this from a different perspective. And then gets him to the place where he recognizes that's that's unjust. How could we sit by and watch whoever this is do this? Yes. And then to turn around and say, well, that 
that's exactly what you were doing. Right. What you are right. doing. So you know, I think you you brought up several different reasons. So one of them could have been just the awkwardness yes. of I don't want to have to be the person to mm-hmm. to share this. Another one that you were bringing up was am I competent or am I am I able to actually be the one yeah. to to do this? And then a third one I'm kind of framing these with my own, with my own words, but is your just fear of their reaction? Sure. And how are they going to react to this? And and there are a great number of of potential issues with when when we're actually seeking restoration of a brother or sister in Christ. It doesn't always go as well as Nathan and David. Oh yes, for for sure. For sure, and and mm. probably we've had some of those experiences, <laughs> and some, and we might think when the next one comes up, oh no, not again, you know, mm. is this going to work? Am I the person to do this? But you know, over the years, <laughs> I have concluded that at the risk of being ne- neglected, I think it's better to say something rather than nothing. Mm. If you say nothing, then basically. You're, you're saying, I'm not, I don't love this person enough to take a risk. Mm-hmm. Now, we wouldn't do that with our own children. We wouldn't do that with our, right. our wife. We wouldn't do that with people that are close to us. Our brothers and sisters in Christ deserve, you know, our commitment to them. Mm-hmm. You remember the story of Cain and Abel. And God says to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Mm-hmm. He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> Well, God didn't answer that, but yes, Cain, you are, and so are we. Yeah, yeah. Paul Paul talks about in First Corinthians five. What have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church yeah. whom we are committed to mm-hmm. that we are to look at the fruit on the tree and see whether or not it adds up? I think the other text that that is often brought up here is the Matthew eighteen, and mm-hmm. if someone sins against you, and it kind of it gives this sequential, you know, this do this and then do if that doesn't work, then do this and that. Um, yes. Seeking restoration, but but that one's very much okay. If there is a direct, you know, someone sins directly against you, then then here's how to approach that. But but even this passage, or even uh, the Galatians six passage. So I'm saying, or or as you were just referen- referencing another one there, Brandon is that. We're talking about people in in the family of God as, as believers. We're responsible to one another. That's beyond just um, not that you're trying to just go after people. It it's seeking to build one another up in mm-hmm. love. It's a it's a hard part of love, but it's but it is the unloving thing is to just be passive with it. Yes, because they're going down the wrong path. Yeah, I mean, wow. When you think about restoring a brother in a spirit of gentleness, how do you approach that time? <laughs> Excuse me, bro. Can we go get some coffee together maybe? <laughs> I've got to tell you something. <laughs> hey, I mean, does anyone have any examples or or not <laughs> just just how that's been able to be accomplished well in your life? Well, Phil is our guest here, so I'm going <laughs> to defer to Phil. <laughs> I'm not thinking of a uh, specific situation. Yeah. Uh, 
No, I, I can't think of anything. Just well, I got one for you then. Okay, okay. I'll, right. tell you, I'll tell you that when I was at Moody um, in college, I mean, okay, so my roommate, uh, Andrew is his name, uh, my, my college roommate, Andrew, was very much a spiritual um, mentor, spiritual, just really discipled me, whether both both in, uh, both formally and informally, but primarily informally, just mm-hmm. was was someone who was a spiritual influence on me. And one of the things that he would do is he <laughs> he would bring something up. Oh, he called me Stevo, so there's that. <laughs> uh, so he goes, Stevo, I noticed this, and then kind of would leave it at that. And then a couple of days later, he said. Steve, I noticed that again, <laughs> and then and then I'd be like, hmm, and he would usually just wait. And sometimes I would say I would actually approach him and say, "Hey, Andrew, thanks for point, thanks for pointing that out." But actually, more than not, it was <laughs> it was like a week later. He'd say, "Steve, you know I mentioned that like twice this week. <laughs> we we need." I think we actually need to talk about that. And that there's so, there's a pattern here that's developing and, and like we we need to actually sort through that. And there is just a um I would say a spirit of well gentleness but patience was a part of that. Like not just like he was allowing me to know that he was recognizing something and let the spirit do the work. But, but, but if I was maybe not walking by the spirit, uh, so I could gratify my own desires, then then he might um, take it up a, a next level and just kind of gradually, he was working with me and, and um, pray that you know the spirit was was doing the conviction, but uh, but it also just did allow time for by the time we would talk more intentionally about something. The spirit had already been convicting me for you know that week, and um, really appreciate just the way. And I think there's other people who've done this in my life, or um, hopefully I've been able to accomplish this in others' lives as well. But um, he's one that I, I look back to and go, man, that was restoration with with mm-hmm. gentleness, mm-hmm. Uh, real practical. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it happened. It happened more than once. Once, unfortunately, we're not talking about one a one-time occurrence for sin in my life. So, so that bring that brings me to two things. First off, the moral of the story is I'm referring to you as Stevo from here on out. <laughs> so that's the first thing. The second thing is, as you as you spoke, it it brought to mind a couple, several instances in my life where I've been called on some on sin that I was engaged in, and and there were. Um, um, not, it's not the same, they weren't the same sin, but when I think back to these two different individuals who brought this to my doorstep, one of them did bring it with a spirit of gentleness, and one of them brought it with, let's just say, a spirit not of gentleness. (laughs) And to think back on those two times, and the one that I was more open to receive as, um, as constructive criticism or... Uh, as what's the word I'm looking for here um, to receive it as as spirit guided mm-hmm. restoration restoration or the goal of restoration yeah, yeah to receive it in in that way 
I was more receptive to the person who brought it to me in gentleness and, and humility and just said, Brandon, I'm noticing this mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. I think you really need to take a step back and look at this. I was way more open to hearing that from from that person. Now, I think that the other person who wasn't gentle had a point. I was I was not being uh, led by the Spirit in what I was doing or in, in my... Um, in my actions, but but I was way more open to wanting to converse with the person who brought it in a spirit of gentleness as they were seeking restoration for me. So that's part of the wisdom of, of the scripture here. It's it's we ought to be re- doing restoration. And when when restoration is actually the goal, and when we are seeking to restore someone, not just lay judgment upon mm-hmm. someone, then doing so with gentleness is a, is a better mode or a better method for restoration. The other thing is in verse one, I, I think it um, finishes out like, but watch yourself, or, or you, or you may be tempted. Yes. There's another tip there. You know, we're talking about the gentleness one, but there, the scriptures also just brings even more depth to just tips on how how we are to go about this restoration with brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. And verse 2 begins, bear one another's burdens. Yes. So as you take this to that person, you're bearing this as well. And so in so doing, you fulfill the law of Christ, which yes. as you pointed out, Phil, is the law of love. Right, right. Hmm. So I, I've got a whole different direction again, and I, and this one is... <laughs> All like, right, Steve-O, let's I have know. it. <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> this one is is just completely open-ended, but are there scriptures, filled that that are in this book of Galatians? So we've already said, I love Galatians. I, I could talk about any, any of the verses, <laughs> but are the verses maybe that we haven't brought up um, yet in Galatians that you go, man, th- these are some key and, and just fun verses that we, we got to get into some more verses here. So well, let me... uh, are there other texts in, in this book? Well, uh, uh, maybe in a way a troubling text, but it, in chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, we have the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. 24, mm-hmm. okay. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh or the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Now, do you belong to Christ, Brandon? I do. All right. This says, if you do, you have crucified, you have put to death the sinful nature with its passions and desires. I think I belong to Christ, but I'm saying, wait a minute. Hmm. I see evidence of the life of my sinful nature from time to time. If you would ask my wife, she might say it's more than from time to time. (laughs) I can't believe that Jeannie would say that. (laughs) Do you see what I'm getting at here? I do, yeah. Yeah. Crucified past tense. Yes. Like, yes. That's already done with. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I mean, that's, if I read it literally, and I'm not saying that I'm reading it right when I say that. Well, I mean, it's what is it? One, two, three verses away, are, is the verse we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. What happens when someone is caught in a sin? So cle- clearly, uh, there is, there is an allowance for the possibility of Christians walking by 
the sinful nature um even after they become even after they belong to Christ there's some sort of allowance for that that or recognition that's that some will go into sin after that well and and that's what I'm saying there's a tension uh between my experience mm-hmm. and what this says now maybe I'm not interpreting this right okay and and I would be willing to discuss that a little bit further because I've thought a lot about that. When you just read this on the surface, yeah. crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Okay, I, I fully think that we belong to Christ. We've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. So how do I reconcile this? I use this example, and I don't want to do any violence to the Scriptures, but let me ask you guys. Has either one of you ever... Um, run out of gas when you were driving your vehicle? Thankfully, no. I have not, but my my brother has. He got oh. stranded on the side of the highway once. All I right. just going to throw him, him under the bus like that. <laughs> well, yeah. he deserves it for <laughs> running out of gas. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Now, what did your brother do? Do you, do you know what he did on that occasion? Uh, before he called me to come and yeah, rescue him. It sounds him, like he called you. He gave me a phone call to come and get him some gas. All right, and what, what did you do? Well, after I laughed for a long time, <laughs> I, I told him I would come and get him some gas. So you went to a gas station? Yep. And you got a can of gas, a gallon or whatever? Yep, yep. Okay, okay. Now, I'm not a chemist, I'm not an engineer, but is there plenty of power in that gallon of gas? There was enough to get him to a gas station to show sure, up. Sure, there's plenty of power in that, right? Mm-hmm. It's chemical energy, and it's more than enough to move that automobile. What did you do with the gas? Put it in the tank. You put it in the tank. Did the car start? Did it start moving? It did. No? I don't think it did. No? <laughs> I don't think it did. You put it in the gas tank. Right. Turn the key? Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure what you're looking for. Is that it? <laughs> oh, s- something had to happen yeah. to, re- to release the power. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, so you had to do something. Did you provide the power? I turned the key, but I mean, I'm going to say he brought the I, gas. I'm going to say <laughs> you released the power. Mm hmm. And I'm using that to say that I don't think the Holy Spirit overpowers us, but the Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Mm. Spirit provides all the direction we need and all the power that we need Mm. to do what what God wants us to do. But he doesn't overpower us, and he doesn't make us do that. Now, if we go back to the word crucified here, now crucifixion as a form of capital punishment did not produce immediate death, okay? And I don't know how, once again, I don't Mm. want to twist the scriptures here in any way. When I first read this, crucified, oh, it's done, Mm -hmm. you know? But crucifixion takes some time. And what I'm saying is maybe this is more like transformation. This is something that goes on for a long time. A lifetime. Okay, I, w- I, I accepted Jesus Christ when I was 20 years old. I know it goes on for at least 57 years. I just gave you a major hint as to my age. Okay. <laughs> you are young at heart, Phil, <laughs> and that's what's important. <laughs> anyway, 
that is a scripture that I have struggled with yeah. before, but I, I, I think I'm more comfortable with it. Yeah. 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 I mean, Paul talks in Philippians about straining towards the goal. Yes. And so how can you talk about crucifying the flesh and at the same time straining towards the goal? If, if it's done, there's no straining necessary, right? You don't need to strain yeah. towards the goal. Yes. If it's done. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't hear a twisting of the scriptures. I think that's a very apt illustration to draw out. So, but I Steve-O mean, might have no, some other thoughts. Well, I'm, I just, just the word crucified and um, those who belong to Christ have crucif- crucified. Uh, so, there, there's another time in this book, a very famous verse, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Um, so the, well, finish it out, I guess. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, well, in verse 21, for I, for I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be attained through the law. Christ died for nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it seems, it seems like maybe there is a helpfulness in drawing that scripture in here as well. And what does it mean to have a uh, to be crucified with Christ, or perhaps even like a Romans united with Christ, is our u- union with Christ a part of this um, being crucified in the flesh? <laughs> Sorry, can you restate your question? <laughs> I'm not sure. My question. My question is: Does that verse, Galatians two twenty? help us interpret this Galatians 5, is it 24, I think? 24. And I don't know, maybe this is a reiterative process, Mm -hmm. you know, we crucify uh, our sinful nature over and over and over. Well, so in Galatians 5, verses, it begins in verse 19. Paul is talking about your old life, the old humanity. And then beginning at verse 22, he's talking about new life in Christ and and the new humanity that is coming into being through Christ. And then he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step by this, uh, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. This isn't automatic. This requires mm-hmm. cultivation, I think. It requires keeping in step with the Spirit. Now, can you fall out of step and live in the flesh once you have crucified the old man? I think so. I do. <laughs> I don't think that means that I'm not in mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it's what has already been accomplished and which things are still ongoing almost. Mm. Yeah. It's a it's it's hard to parse. That's out the like thing that. that Phil is saying yeah. he wrestles with. That's right. And and once again I think it goes back to transformation. Transform yeah. you know, becoming a Christian is an event. Okay. Becoming Christ like is transformation. And that's and that's ongoing. Mm-hmm. That's an unending transformation, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I've 
I'll, I'll just personally share that's why I've found spiritual formation to be a very helpful element in the conversation of sanctification. Because we are, we're being formed into a... <laughs> you're either being formed into Christ-likeness or you're being formed into a different kind of creature. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, that was per- perhaps a little bit of a rabbit trail there. On the no, on I think the... it was worth. I think it's worth asking. I mean, I thought it. It it's hard. It's hard to uh, work through some of these scriptures when you're, you're going. When you take the Galatians five two or the Galatians five twenty four, um, very literally, which you know, I think we ought to um, understand that Scripture is inerrant and, and mm-hmm. like that, that's mm-hmm. a that's a positive thing. But what is the what is the author Paul meaning by by what he's saying there? And it's it's worth reflecting on because uh, a strict literal interpretation there. Uh, perhaps can can be a little bit misleading, mm-hmm. or uh, to go to have some weird, <laughs> some weird interpretations that don't seem to be fitting with uh, the rest of Scripture or even Paul's words elsewhere. So. Yeah, I mean, if you take that in a strict literal sense, that can cause people to doubt their own salvation. I think so. Well, I messed up, and I messed up again, and I messed up again. Which I think that's even what you were getting at, Phil. Right? It's if if you read that, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified. Right. It's like, uh oh, but what if, what if I haven't? Hmm. Maybe I don't belong to Christ Maybe Jesus. That, that's that's the big yeah. thing. It's yeah. Not assurance. Yeah. Right. So. Hmm. Well, I mean, we're coming to uh, close to being done here. Phil, is there anything else that you would want to leave us with as we go? I think I have. Shared everything I need to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to draw out that as you were uh, as you were sharing yesterday uh, your Sunday school lesson on the book of Galatians, I was captivated just watching you. You have your notes in front of you, but you were barely looking at them. You were just you were on a roll. <laughs> I couldn't believe it too when he's quoting scriptures or he's got quotes from these different authors. I'm like, oh man, he's not looking down. It's almost like you've read the book of Galatians a time or two. A couple of times. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not a theologian. I do read the Bible and I try to understand. Yeah, hmm. that's good. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, and we want to thank our listeners for sticking with us through this season of the Grace Church podcast. Until next time, if there is a next time. Next time? Question mark. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in.